Hey everyone, welcome back to And Then I Got My Ass Beat. I'm Josh. I'm Neil. This is episode four. We have a fantastic episode for you today. This episode is dedicated to one of the most hyped fights of the year, Neil. You ready? Let's effing go! Joe Joyce versus Zayli Zhang. The heavyweight title <laughs> fight that people want to see next week, Neil. It's the heavyweight fight that people have been asking for. The championship fight. Thank God for boxing. They do it again, giving the fights, giving the people the fight they want to see. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Way to fuck everybody. The heavyweight championship fight that everybody's been asking for. Man. Not just kidding. It's all about Izzy and Perea today. <laughs> so going to be a great episode. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. You ready? <laughs> you know, that last night was was lit. Like I think it's so funny how you know, and, and Josh, forgive me, especially if you you know still going. But it's just the vibe I felt like from everybody that I talked to about the fight to seeing the tweets and whatever after. There was this there was this underlying primal thing that fighting and combat does for all of us that like everybody tapped into a little bit through Izzy last night. So that was that was kind of cool to you know see it experience, brother. That was a real life Rocky. Movie. It was exactly. That, it's one of the that, few times dude. MMA lives up to all the <laughs> all the I, hype. You know, I haven't been that hyped since Rocky knocked out Apollo Creed, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he took out his Drago, man. He got his. He, he beat his Drago. <laughs> yeah, man. That was that was crazy, man. Um, and it was, yeah, like, dude, I'm gonna let you go ahead with the structure because we do have a show planned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, nah, dude, it, it was it was exciting. It was an awesome fight to watch, awesome buildup. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it later about blood fuse and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like one thing I noticed, man, I want to touch on this first because we had just done a little short podcast about the warrior mindset, mm -hmm. right? And I want to touch on both of these guys have that warrior mindset. Right, right. But one thing I, I specifically noticed was with Izzy, walking mm -hmm. out like walking out to that to the octagon, his eyes like there was something different. Like this wasn't playful Izzy walking out to you know school Acosta on what real striking is, right? This is Izzy like back against the wall. I need this. Did you notice that too? I well, yes, I did. I really wanted to get your take on that. What did you see? Did you see? Did you see fighters, soldiers, or warriors? Yeah, so I, I definitely saw that was that warrior, that warrior stare, right? Mm -hmm. Like I remember when uh, Izzy fought Gasolin, mm -hmm. right? He tells his corner fifth round, like I'm willing to die for this fight, for this win, mm -hmm. and that was in his eyes walking out against Pereira. He was willing to die to beat Pereira tonight mm -hmm. or last I night. I love how you put that. That's it. You you know, like I said a warrior fights to save their soul, and that's what I saw. Like I got to Texas, like we have to see Izzy's best ever. That's what makes it so exciting as a fan. You, as, as, a, as, a, as a fighter, you know, you know, like if we don't see Izzy's best ever, then we've already seen it and Izzy is not who we thought he was. But if Izzy is who we thought he was, and I'm pretty damn sure Izzy was gonna be who we thought he was, we gonna see his best, best. It was interesting. I remember I was watching it with my girl and she, 
she was laughing at the dramatics, right? Like, you know, as he's doing this whole thing. It was like, I was like, you know, so, yeah, most of the time I'm with you on that. Most of the time I'm like, you know, I, I, I get that, you, you know, they don't even understand the movements behind the, the stuff they're trying to do or, you know, play or pull off. It's for hype. But I was like, this one time I was like, no, he needs this. I was like, he needs to go all the way within. I was like, he needs like all, everything he's doing right now. I was like, he's, and I love the leash. I love the leash. I love the leash. I know I, how he needed to feel. He needed to hold all of it in, all of the the shame, but everything that everybody's saying that coming, he just, you know, I, as soon as they take this leash off, as soon as they take this leash off, you know, and like, I, I just, I saw and felt that from him. And, you know, when we were watching the fight, uh, you know, the announcers, my girl, everybody was just like, you know, he can't let Pereira get close. He can't get, you know, and I was like, yeah, he's gotta be, he's gotta be smart. But I was like, at the end of the day, he's gonna have to be able to deal with that heat inside. And he's gonna have, be, have to be able to dish it out. And I watched for that from Izzy early, you know, in his fights, you know, years ago, I saw that he can do that, you know? So it was, anyway, it was, it was, it was beautiful to see. I didn't expect the knockout. I expected, when he got close, like he's gonna have to at some point have his back to the wall and have to start popping off and returning, and he did. But when 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 uh, Ray hit the hit the mat, I was like, "What?" <laughs> yep. And I was like, "If they ended the the first one the way they did, this is it. This is it." And yeah, it exactly. He he rope doped him, man. Like I yeah. watching that finishing sequence. You see, I, I saw Izzy go back. And this looked like the first the first fight the first ufc fight right where it's like oh man like like he's putting the pressure on like one of the questions i had for izzy is was he going to be able to handle the pressure of Perea because he's so big right like, how is he going to be able to handle the pressure and right. just to watch Perea walk him down at the end of that second round i was like oh shit, i don't know but then you know then he just waits and times it perfectly that perfect counter right hook right over the top right hit him hit him twice right like he could have gone right left, right? But he went right, recocked it right again. Right. Out. Right. And Robodope was a good kid. That was really, that really, really did feel Robodopeish where he, you know, came off and went in there. You know, another part of it is game plan. You know, that doesn't get talked about much with that. And there's, there's such a mental aspect to it. But, but the game plan that Izzy put out there made it uncomfortable for Perea the same way that people have tried to with Izzy. When you're a champ, that's why I don't knock Izzy too much when he's seemingly not getting lazy or taking risks and fight because you know what i mean like people know your stuff and your game plan that works you have to come out there with it but they get to adjust and change theirs as, as need be right so he got to play that guy and i say that because like perea he's he usually stalks and comes forward right and is he smart he's stalking and coming forward and he's doing it enough to where perea's of course doesn't want to lose his belt he's you're not being overly cautious but he's smart he's gauging and he's going backward right like he's he's coming forward a little bit but he's out of sign is coming forward but really you know is he coming forward because that's his style or is there desperation that he has to prove something right and you know i know Perea is taking this in like okay by the end of the second round you start to get the feel because i remember thinking like oh at some point is Perea moving back because he's you know just kind of gauging or is he is he really just not confident in moving forward and then I, he started moving in and at some point, you know, that 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 chess game, that strategy of moving forward put Perea in a position to where it's like, okay, like Izzy's gonna either keep imposing or at some point Perea is gonna have to impose back. And if he does it the wrong way, right? If he does it the wrong way, Izzy's more of a likely to surprise you than Perea, because we know what you know Perea's inside game is. We forget 
Izzy's inside game. And Izzy set that up to me. You know what I mean? Like, and it was it was one of those things where with the two with the style of these two fighters, I don't I couldn't imagine five rounds of flurries. We've seen it from both of them, right? You know what I mean? They've both been knocked down several times by each other. When people touch them, they get touched. You know what I mean? These aren't the guys that that have Robbie Lawler kind of <laughs> looks and faces after any fight. Their ears are fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, it was gonna be it was gonna be a uh, uh, it was it was gonna be a big exchange. I I, I did I, I thought there was gonna be a knockout. You know what I mean? Like unless they both played it really safe, which it was hard to imagine with the spiritual stakes <laughs> at play. You know, for these two. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. If Izzy plays it safe, I think he loses that fight. Mm-hmm. You know, like if he plays it safe, I think Perez sees that he's in his head. Yeah. So Izzy's got to prove that Perez not in his head, and he did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like pe- got, people, got... people don't realize because Perez is such a beast, right? Just mm-hmm. how good Izzy is with his hands as well, and like that's Izzy's strength is his hands. Like yeah, he's a kickboxer, he's got the kick stuff like that. He hasn't really knocked people out too much with those kicks. It's his hands. Right. And so, like, he's he's got to get close. He's got to fight Perea. Like, right. he can't just kick him and run. Right. Right. I thought he did a good job with the leg kicks to help slow down the pressure early on. Right. But it really felt like, to me, similar to the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder trilogy, where the first fight, Izzy was Izzy was slipping and he was moving and he was you know circling out of there, like he was playing it a little more cautious that first fight. Yeah, he caught him the one time, but a lot of times he's trying to stick and move, right? And try to avoid the big shot. Right, right. And he still got caught. Just like Tyson Fury tried to do the same thing with Deontay Wilder. He tried to outbox him and he still got caught. The difference was obviously Tyson Fury got back up and survived it. But very similar in the fact that he tried to avoid the big shot and still got caught anyways. And so I think both of them came in with the with the mindset that they're going to use that aggression against their opponent. Mm-hmm. Like this is Perea's strength. It's that pressure, strength, that uh, that left hook. That's his strength. I'm going to use that against him. I'm going to get him to pressure me. I'm going to get him to come forward. And I'm just going to counter him. Yeah, and Izzy's got that right. And and Perea knew it. You know, they they it was he was he, you know he was planning he was he was planning for that 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 right. You know, um, but yeah yeah I think I, I think the pressure in the game like you said like he, Izzy does have to get in close and Perea's presence is a big part of. You know he's got the skill set. You know I don't want to knock Perez. Like Perez and, and Perez kicks are impressive. They're they're among the most the more impressive kicks I've seen um, in the UFC. Uh, obviously he does what he does with his striking. I mean he's you know um, his striking is enough to like I, like I we were talking about last night, right? He's 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 elite re- relative to the rest of the the, the pack. You know what I mean? Um, but his presence, he's, he's got that Usman like presence. And that he's adds elite. Something, it doesn't have know. to be relative to the pack. He's elite. Period. He's elite in, in, in kickboxing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, so real he's talk. like super elite in real talk. UFC. Real talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and forgive me, not to knock it. I'm just thinking, like you know, right? Like a Muay Thai guy might be like, bro, oh, he doesn't use his elbow. You know what I mean? But right, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's he's a world class striker. You're right in all senses of the word, like Joe said, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, I just got. I just saw something this morning. It looks like he's contemplating to move the light heavyweight. Um, from what I, you know, from what I hear, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard from the horse's mouth, but uh, that to me, if he does that, that's a great move. I mean, I, like I said, I like 
I like him over anybody in the division. I'd like to see him versus Jamal Hill, and I haven't watched enough Jamal Hill to have a strong enough take on it, so I'll call that a question mark for me. Um, but and I like what I, you know, what Jamal Hill's done so far. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 Jamal Hill is not his his next big problem, then like yeah, he's potentially the king of that division for a while, you know. Yeah, I agree. And we were talking about it last night. I don't think there's anybody in light heavyweight that can take advantage of Perea's glaring weakness mm-hmm. in grappling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it's not like the Bellator light heavyweight division where they got like killer grapplers all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. They got Yo- Yoel Romero, they got Corey Anderson, they got uh, Ryan Bader. They got elite level grapplers over there. UFC, no. You know, top of that division is Jiri and, and Jamal. And both of them are good strikers, right? But neither one of them are elite. And neither one of them are elite grapplers. Yeah, so, I mean, I, yeah. I think they might, they might do a trilogy fight with I was uh, gonna say, and Perea. But if Perea loses that, I think... That's what I was going to say. The risk on losing Perea, if you're Dana, the risk on Perea losing is now, you know, you've got... I think if you invest in Perea, like and it works out, you've got a king at that division. And, and from the UFC's business model standpoint, they want kings amongst the divisions because they want big stars. They want big stars that command big dollars that you know can, can make fights happen. And you need champions that have staying power to do that, right? So they want champs that can stick around, the Usmans, the Adesanyas, the whoever, you know, they groom that. And so light heavyweight hasn't had one, you know what I mean? The more, the better, right? Like you've got one with Izzy at middleweight, you know, welterweight has just got several waiting to happen you know um heavyweight you've got john jones you know what i mean from the business model they're stacked across the board across divisions if correa can be that guy in that slot you know um why give him two straight losses and make the divisions luster go down some but at the same time you know you're probably talking about a top 10 all-time fight if they do make the trilogy you know what i mean so like you know, they got some business decisions to make, but like it'll probably look like Perea's decision at the end of the day. If I'm Dana, if I'm thinking that's the smart move to make it look like Perea's decision. Yeah, I don't think two losses to Izzy at all knocks his shine. Right? You lose to an all-time great twice, that's nothing, that's nothing against you. That's that's Izzy's greatness. It's like Kobe and Usman, you know. Usman beat him twice, Kobe's still getting another title shot, right? And it's not because Kobe you know, it was bad or anything. It's because Usman was just that good. Usman was that dominant of a champion. Yeah. So it, it's like the idea that the, the rising tide raises all the boats, right? If Prey moves up to light heavyweight and is dominant up there, he's going to make stars out of a lot of those other contenders. He will. Like they, he will. They, 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 haven't, they haven't had a king of that division in... But the mystique is a big what? part of the sale. Right? It's why Vulcan Islam had to fight. You know what I mean? And so another loss takes that off. And there is, you know what I mean? Just like draft picks, right? How much more are they worth the, how much less are they worth the year after? Even though they're always better. They're always better a year after they got drafted, but they're always worth less. Why? Because the mystique carries a value. See, I, I, I disagree. I think it depends on who they lost to. I think the losses, they matter, but I think who they lost to is also important too. You know, like I don't look at DC as any worse for losing two in a row to Stipe. Right, Stipe Stipe is for my money is the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. That's because he's, he's got some saying. He's got the mistake. There's no knock. He lose to the right, right. guy. 
Right. Exactly. So like like losing two out of three to Izzy is not a knock on Perea, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. That just means like Izzy's one of the one of the best middleweight champions. That's true. Mate, yeah, yeah. Like he's right. Well, the interesting is it's like right? this. If Jan was around, it still doesn't change things, but you know, and it, it it all I'm saying is is like I can see this impacting, you know the decision to make the fight or not right like i you know i it's an interesting like it's an interesting decision i imagine from dana's perspective because this probably is a nine figure event right like you know and it's just only going to be bigger if it's the third one and blah, blah 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 and i'm sure he could force it to happen if he wanted to you know what i mean but like you know did at that point are you cutting off your nose to spite your face and he could be yeah, I mean, he could be you know yeah, you're, I mean, right, that, you're right. Perea probably, even if he does lose again to Izzy in three or four years, it's just a footnote, most likely. You know what I mean? Depending on how he handles his title reign. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's probably that's that's probably true. You know, uh, not probably. that division's in a weird. That division's in a weird spot too. Cause like Izzy had already pretty much cleaned it out before the Pereira fight, mm -hmm. and so I I just don't know who Izzy fights next, right? Like, well, it's Tillman, Whitaker, like Kamaya, right? Whitaker, Whitaker, third time, isn't Kamaya like, coming? Yeah, maybe Chamaya, right? But he hasn't fought middleweight, right? Like, no, but that's what I, I was telling my does brother. He, does he, does he God, go straight to the Does he go straight to the the belt, or I mean, he might. I think Izzy takes a long break. Right, because it's been a you know I think I think Izzy had you know deserves and takes a, a nine to twelve month break, you know I mean? so, maybe so. not nine okay but maybe that's, but I, I could see it happening like who knows right but at least six months that's that's never be. been Izzy though Izzy Izzy loves fighting that's true like, I, no that's true I think, I think he'll be back soon but my point is it's like who though because you got to make a good fight like Izzy's now Izzy's even more Izzy than Izzy now you know what I mean it was before now right so all the fights are humongous now right so when you look at fights to make. Izzy's in that position now to wait three or four months for a better fight now, right? And he's lost his title, right? So, he, you know what I mean? Like he, I, I know there's a different, there's a, he, you know, he'll value that differently now, right? Like he's not worried about people saying shit about him not, you know, fighting or this, that, and the other, right? He's gonna do it for whatever his reasons are. But I'm saying in terms of his, I think if his legacy right now where he's, it's, he's already cemented himself, like we talked about yesterday. He's a top 10 UFC GOAT of all time at the floor, right? That's that's low. That's low ball in there, probably. I mean, I'm talking about UFC champ. Top 10 UFC champ. Like, is he one of the 10 best UFC champs ever? I think it'll be hard to make the argument that he's not after last night, right? Like, and that's a different debate for a different day. But, like, even if I'm wrong on that, right? Like, I'm sure he feels that way, you know? And, like... I'm sh now I think for him the next three or four years is like entering that MMA GOAT discussion right am, am I on the Rushmore of the top 10 for MMA right and what fights over the next three or four years can put you in that position if you're looking out to carve out your destiny which Izzy very much is he's not like I'm just going to take who's coming up next and beat all their asses and see what the dust settles he's going to carve out and create his legacy and so if I'm thinking it from that standpoint and all of the top tier, the top five guys, he's beaten twice moving up and the beat the boogeyman, right? Which is, you know, which there's a little extra little asterisk from it because like, that's a thing. But like, 
I think now he's in a position to let it sort itself out. I don't think Jan, Jan was called him out and was talking about going to middleweight, right? Like even if Jan does that, it's not fair if Jan, Jan doesn't have the resume to not fight anybody in middleweight. You know, he's got a great resume, but he's got to fight at least one or two people, right? Like you got to show that you can belong to the division before you skip all the way to Izzy, right? Especially after the prayer stuff. So he's going to probably have to have a fight or two. Kamayev is going to have to have a fight or two. Kamayev's got the resume too. One or two fights against the top two, you know, top five, 10 guys. He probably deserves a shot, you know what I mean? Let it sort itself out over the next six months, right? Whoever's first, whoever's the guy, that guy's first, it's a hell of a fight. If it's him and Kamayev, that's a hell of a pay-per-view, right? It's a big top five fight of the year, you know what I mean? If it's him and Jan, it's probably pretty damn big too, right? Whoever, what order, whatever order it is, those are two big ones I think that can happen in the next year, and he can sit back and watch the dust settle on it. After that happens, now you've got new people in the division, the top five and 10 is shaking up, then you got the Bo Nichols hype train. If Bo Nichols, can, if the hype train continues, then in 12 to 18 months, you got this guy with momentum, he's probably fought or beat Jan, maybe Kamayev at this point, right? One of those two is gonna have to go through, then Izzy's got, you know what I mean? So there's a road, there's a path for Izzy, I think, to meet his goals and for the division to kind of, you know, to shine a light on it, but like, I think it's going to be some, I think Izzy has to step back and let some of it organically play out. And I think he's in position to do so. Yeah, I think Izzy's in a tough position because of the weight class. Mm-hmm. Because like, if he wants to cement himself, there's very few fights left in middleweight that would help just bolster his legacy. You know, at this point, he's going to be cleaning out the division a second, second time, which that's what GSP did. And hey, it worked for GSP, right? Like he held the belt for 11 years, being a bunch of people that probably shouldn't have been in the octagon with him but he's in a tough spot because that's a tough division like there's just has never been the talent in that division than other divisions because it's a weird it's a weird weight class right like 185 hey it's just it's just like a weird it's just like a weird <laughs> i'm well, I feel like so you, close you, you no it's it, when you're at 185 185 to 200 is so close. It's so easy to go from 185 to 200. It's so easy to, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, that's what makes it weird. You, you can shift you, the move wherever you want kind of at that weight. I live it that way. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. And, and if you were a professional fighter, you'd probably cut. I could choose wherever I, yeah, I could yeah, really, you, yeah, you, would, you, could, you, you would probably cut down to 170. Exactly, right. Oh, yeah, and 170 and for me would be Leon Edwards' territory. Like, I don't want to feel yeah. that small. But, like, <laughs> I like what he does with that, his body. But, but, like, but that's what a lot of people do, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you got the really good small guys, which are usually 155. Mm-hmm. Guys that are maybe a little bit bigger usually stay at 170. Mm-hmm. And then if you're naturally a bigger person, you usually just bulk up to the light heavyweight or the heavyweight divisions. You know, you don't really worry about cutting down to 185. Right. So it's like, a, it's always been a weird spot, right? Anderson had the same problem. When he was running that division. She's kind of a weird spot. Right. No, because you do. You're right. You're right. You've either got it's where it's the weight where you've got your slender, lanky guys, your six to six three guys that are not bulky. That's where they live at. And and your short guys that are that weight are usually stocky and in in in, in there in that body frame, it you already probably have a propensity to add weight. And it makes sense to just go up, you know what I mean? And so you can use your leverage and weight more rather than let these tall, because the striking gets a little, I think a little less refined, right? As you start getting the bigger, heavier guys as the weight class goes up, right? Like, but you probably get peak striking right around that middle weight, right around that middle weight level, right? You heavy, heavy, heavy hitters with, with, with precision. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. If not that, then it's the smaller guys, right? The smaller guys are usually really tight right. too. Exactly, exactly. But those I mean, are the those are really small guys. <laughs> it starts to wear off, you know, with the exception of a John Jones, who's like, you know, tactically, you know, elite, elite. Like, you know, it, it starts to wear off. You start to see it, you know, around or to me around middleweight. Yeah, there, there's very few big guys that are proficient strikers. Mm. Like Stipe, uh, DC was always. Uh, he was average, but then he got better later on in his career. I'd probably say he was above average towards the end of his career. John Jones, obviously. Um, Alistair Overeem, like especially like super big steroided Overeem when he was heavyweight. Right. Really, really good striker. Right. Also on juice, but <laughs> a really technical, really technical kickboxer. So we were supposed to record this yesterday, right? And so, like, I had a list of questions that I want to answer for this fight. So I wanna, yeah, I kind of want to go through them and see and see if I if I was right on this. Okay. So, uh, one of my questions was, what are what are we expecting from both fighters? And so, me personally, I was expecting Izzy to show that he's not afraid of Perea and to engage him and to try to use that aggression against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he did that. Like, were, were you expecting that too, or were you expecting something different? I'm trying to. Yeah, if you'd ask me that question, I would have said because it's yeah, I'm just, so easy to be like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. But yeah, like think, like we we talked about this before, Neil, right? Like we mm-hmm. were totally gonna pick Izzy for second round KO. We just didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to record it. Right, right. That, that, that's the exact that's the, that's the exact outcome we both thought was gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it was crazy. Like I thought, I thought Izzy had to engage, you know, like in. I think I, I felt like there was, you know, at the end of the day, Izzy had to control the space, the the, the short space. He had to be the initiator, right, as the challenger, right. Like if it does go five, you have to make sure that you can win the decision, right. So you still have to present the fight a certain way, right. You can't just be setting people up for a trap because if it never happens and you look ugly for five rounds, you still lose, right. And so like. Um, you know, I thought there was going to have to be that balance. And I saw that, like I saw, you know, to me, Izzy was very present, all the stuff that Izzy does, but he was, the way he was moving, the way he, you know, they were both just feeling out very, it looked twitchy, but it was just constant in communication with each other, constant, you know, staying present with where they were. I, um, yeah, anyway, I, I, not to dig too deep into the question, but yeah, I thought Izzy was going to have to stay tight end, but also not be too conservative. Um, and and I knew he was gonna have to, he was gonna have to be able to absorb shots correctly. You know what I mean? Like, Perea's good, it's not about him landing, right? Something's gonna land, but you can't let him land flush. You can't let him land certain ways. You can't let him, you know what I mean? You can't let certain shots land certain ways. And um, I think that with, with Perea, you know, it's even more so. So that would have been a thought for me too. Like, you know, and, and I saw that Izzy took shots. Like, there was a couple that he took. That's fine. You know what I mean? But, like, he there was no point where he let Perea get set up for one of his big ones. And he knows yeah, those. And, he knows them better than anybody. Yeah, and I feel like the time he did was uh, t- was intentional for that counter right. Mm-hmm. So the next question I had was, how was Adesanya going to deal with Perea's pressure? And I thought he did a fantastic job of it. Like the leg kicks early on were were really good, although it didn't necessarily look effective. I feel like mm-hmm. it probably was more effective than it looked. Mm-hmm. 
And then also the fact that he let Perea pressure him at the end of that second round in order to get him to overcommit so he could counter with that right. Mm. The the kicks that Adesanya did that were extremely technically uh, laid well laid out and, and power, like he didn't land any of them, but they did an amazing job of setting the space. The the precision and the technique on that. I think it, one of them was a uh, um, was a front leg uh, roundhouse that he brought up with no telegraph as a front kick and then turned it uh, extremely quick over into a roundhouse. That's a knockout blow. Perea knows that. That's a knockout blow. Foot was totally horizontal, right? Doesn't matter if you landed or not. That set the state. That's the reason he could pressure. You see what I'm saying? Like a few that's the exact kicks. kick that we saw Rose knock out Wei Lee with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They call it a question mark kick. That's right. I forgot they they got it. But I don't like the good thing because the the actual question mark kick is like, eh, and it's, it's just a bad roundhouse. But like this one, this one was an actual like lead leg like uh, uh, a roundhouse, which was and it was beautifully well done. But I, you know, it was one of those ones. He did a few kicks like that, and that let me know like he's been he's he's been back in there, you know, refining and working on those. Those were knockout blows, and they were extremely well done didn't give up balance on each one, but those are the kind of things that allowed Izzy to to pressure in, right? It wasn't like he was just imposing his will and Pereira was like, you look really serious today. I think I'm gonna back up. Like it was, <laughs> the kicks to me had a lot to do with defining the space. No, was, I didn't answer the question. <laughs> Pereira was shocked that that bow and arrow in the pre-fight didn't do more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Izzy was stupid for that. That was hilarious. I loved it. That was yeah. That was the best kind of petty. That's that was right up there with night night. He should have did night night. Yeah. Steph Curry on. Yeah. That. Yeah, man. But I I actually love Perea's arrow at the beginning of that fight. Yeah. Like, I I don't know about you, but that sent chills down my spine. Like he's just doing his walkout, and all of a sudden he just stops and like stares right through Izzy and does it. It's like, oh shit, he he thinks he's got this. It's funny like you said it like because Joe Rogan it, even before Joe Rogan said his whole thing I looked and I was just you know it you know I was like you know maybe you do this too but you just imagine the nerves right of going up there regardless of the skill even if you know you got this guy it's just like especially with the background stuff I just imagine the nerves and I was just trying to imagine what Izzy was feeling like you know just trying to stay composed it's so close the thing is coming and i you know i haven't been in any professional fights or anything like that on that level so you know like whatever i'm you know it's all kind of stuff i i can't guess um but i remember when i saw that i was like oh that wouldn't help <laughs> i remember thinking that like like I, you know it was just like like oh i would be like yeah i'll be looking away from this right now this motherfucker right here like I, I can't even let that shit you know get in my head and then you know joe rogan was like that was I mean, that's one of the most bone chilling. That is terrifying, man. If I saw someone do that, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, I guess it did do the, the thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get it. I've, I've spent a lot of time with uh, indigenous warrior culture, you know, and so I love to see how it shows up in the UFC. Um, so I got a little bit of a different relationship to it, too. Like, I, you know, I, I know some of the root stuff behind it. So, I, you know, I know it's, you know, like, but yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I, I do think, uh, I do think it was dope. I love that it, both of them had indigenous culture kind of in the uh, in the, in the hype thing. And like I said, it was the perfect kind of petty when Izzy just uh, pointed at him at the end, especially because he get made fun of because of his anime stuff. <laughs> he just went all in. 
It's like Izzy is stupid, but enjoy it. And he, he was very graceful about it. I, I, I really, I, I really appreciated that. Uh, the Nigerian champs, uh, you know, um, they've been been amazing winners, uh, amazing in winning and losing. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, yeah, it was that was that was just really well done. It was really well done. I could I could imagine Perea being okay with the resolution. You know what I mean? Regardless, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like that too. Did you see the handshake backstage afterwards? No, uh-uh. I think I heard they hugged yeah, it out. It, it was yeah, it was it was super classy. All respect between the two of them. You know, they shook hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they talked a little bit. You know, Prey pointed the belt, and Izzy pointed it like Prey's heart point as arms and stuff and it was it was a cool moment it was a cool moment to see both of them kind of understand what they were a part of right 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 right. because you you had mentioned blood fuse when we were talking about this fight Mm -hmm. like two months ago when we first launched the podcast Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what this has become and they both recognize that Mm -hmm. like they both recognize that they need each other for their legacy. Prey's mm-hmm. legacy is tied to being Adesanya. Adesanya's legacy is tied to avenging those losses. Mm-hmm. It's defined by, you know what I mean? It's like, you know. Yeah, like, like going into that fight last night, Izzy, you could tell Izzy cared more about beating Perea than he did about winning the belt. Yeah. He didn't care if the belt was online. He didn't care, about, he right. didn't care if there was a thousand fans in there in the arena. He didn't care if there was one. Yep. He wanted to win. He was going to beat Perea. Yeah. So. Or he was going to see if Perea could beat his best. Like Izzy deep down in his soul did not believe Perea's best could beat his best. And I relate to that. You know what I mean? I didn't believe that. I think Izzy could have accepted it if, if it was. But Izzy's fought him five times, right? Four times. Right? Like he's, if he believes that he's, you know, like I, I, I there's for a reason. You know what I mean, and that's that's what I saw. Like, yeah, you gonna like like with gasoline. You have to kill me out here. Your best is that much better than my best. We gonna have to see it. You know. Yeah, exactly. That that was exactly looking his eyes. And so, I want to ask you: define a blood feud. Definitely, a blood feud to me is is something that is is existential so there's you know you can have you know i don't know romeo and julia you can be you can have wars over turf or over you know uh family genetic name you know uh you know whatever it is you know um to me what makes a blood feud a blood feud and this doesn't happen in well, I don't know. Is it different when it's in business or not? It's a different subject. But like, to me, what makes a blood feud a blood feud is like there's this existential, like, um, you know, uh, need to get rid of the other. Like, I can't exist if you exist. You can't exist if I exist. There's this space in the universe that only one of us can occupy. And we both need that space to survive. You know what I mean? And like, I'm using these, you know, dramatic kind of terms, but you know, that can show up in a lot of different ways, right? You know, like, I don't know. Uh, you know I, I don't want to go too deep into metaphors with it, but like, I think in this case, you know, that's 
what made it feel like a blood feud. I mean, there's, you know, to me back in the day, a blood feud, you know, maybe a thousand years ago would be like, you know, my tribe believes that it, you know, is the owner of this land and my family is willing to, you know, to fight tooth and nail to defend that. We believe that this is our, and this other tribe is like, we believe that this is our land. And if, if we don't have it, we these things won't happen. Our people won't survive. And only, well, okay, well, only one of our tribes is gonna survive. And, you know, we gotta figure it out. Like, no no disrespect to you. I don't hate you. If there was new land that popped up, I'd say one of us could take it. But since there's not, we gotta do it, you know? You know, that to me is like a blood feud. Uh, it could be personal, may not be personal. You know what I mean? Like, but it's always personal because obviously your existence is on the line. You know, like, yeah, but yeah, you're I think, on the line. I, 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 I think blood feud in, in modern martial arts, modern boxing, prize fighting is definitely like when your name is explicitly tied to somebody else's. Mm -hmm. You know, like think, think in MMA like Chuck and Tito. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. remembers that. Like Tito, Tito's legacy is tarnished because he avoided Chuck. Chuck's legacy is cemented because he knocked out Tito. Tyson, mm, mm. I didn't even feud. know about them in that. I remember hearing about their feud. I knew about their feud way long before I knew about them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like shit, they even made a documentary called Chuck and Tito. <laughs> You have uh, Tyson Holyfield in boxing. Tyson Holyfield, that is a blood feud. Ollie Frazier. Right. Right. Even if you don't know anything about boxing, you say Ollie Frazier. Right. That is People a are familiar feud. with that. Right. Talk to Frazier. That's a blood feud. <laughs> <laughs> that's a blood feud. Uh, what are some other good ones? Like, Gervonta Raleigh is one they tried to make into a blood feud, and it wasn't anywhere close. And like, I applaud the media and the promoters for pretending like it was for a little bit. And then it just like selling a good fight, overselling a fight, you know? But like, what are some real ones that exist to you? So currently, at least at least in boxing, I, I'm gonna focus on boxing right now. I feel like Fury and Wilder had the potential, especially if, especially if Wilder got that first win. Mm -hmm. If Wilder knocked him out in that 12th round, I, I think that would have been a blood feud, but the fact that realistically Wilder lost all three, even though one was a draw, he should have lost that first one. Kind of takes the luster out of that a little bit. Like I think uh, Crawford and Spence has the potential to be yeah. a blood feud. Um, a good modern day one is Triple G and Canelo. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, uh, uh, it's, it's too, it's too bad Triple G more? didn't get the get, didn't get the win on that first one because I don't know. Watching that fight live, I thought Triple G easily should have got the win. It should have been uh, two to one for Canelo. It was, it was, it was close. I was surprised Canelo. Well, it was a draw, right? It was a draw. Yeah. Canelo did enough, but yeah, it was. It, it could have Triple G could have gotten it. Was Kovalev and Ward a blood feud? I think if the second fight wasn't so, it was almost it felt like it was almost there, but like Ward yeah. rose to the occasion. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. Like that, first, that. that first fight, right, had the seed, mm -hmm. and then when Ward comes in that second fight, it's just like, oh shit, Kovalev shouldn't be here, right? One of the top ones, bro. One of the top ones from the last ten years, Pacquiao, Marquez. That's. That one's what twenty years? Like they've been fighting each other forever. Right. <laughs> That's a blood hey, feud. 
they they probably find each other in some alleyway in the Philippines right now as we <laughs> record this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's and funny was, because the other side of a blood feud is I gave the kind of existential definition, right? I gave kind of the, the movie, the the long, you know, the thousand year old kind of definition of it. You guys gave a modern definition, and I think it's a good it's it's a good reminder too, of like today's kind of blood feuds won't you know would probably end up they're over when they're over right like here's one chris rock and will smith right like that's a blood feud at this point and not in a combat sports kind of way but in the entertainment world kind of way you know what i mean in that world that's the equivalent of you know what i mean and the point is is like there will come a point where it is resolved right like it's gone as far as it can go. The, the, the you know what I mean. The dust is settled. The, the, the chips have been, you know, distributed. To who gets them? And at some point in 25 years, they'll be in a commercial together. You know what I mean? Joe Montana and Steve Young, right? Like, you know, it, it, it you know, I think, uh, I think that's the interesting part of it too. So I mean, I think Izzy and Perea coming together last night. I don't even didn't even see it yet, but if there is closure to this stage of their life to me that would make sense and it wouldn't you know necessarily reduce the blood feud part of it it would just be like oh, okay like there is life after feud yeah exactly that's the thing i think is usually pretty common for blood feuds uh the chuck and tito thing still hasn't really been resolved those guys still don't like each other but most of them because you go through these wars with this other person after you've had some time to kind of like recollect and, and decompress a little bit from it you have way more respect for that person mm-hmm. like a, another good modern day example this isn't martial arts but lebron and steph oh yeah when yeah. they were when they were going out LeBron in the LeBron used to they, have to be like they, lebron's a fucking bully stop it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> he was exactly, like i right? hate like, this little motherfucker <laughs> Yeah, Steph, Steph took three titles from him, right? Like Steph is him. literally the single-handed reason that LeBron does not have the GOAT argument. It is Steph. Like without Steph, he's probably he's probably past Jordan in the argument. Yeah, yeah. Without Steph, two thousand tens without Steph. Yeah, yeah. Without Steph, LeBron probably gets another at least two rings. Like who knows how everything shakes out, but. Yeah, Steph at least took two from him. He got more rings than Mike and double the finals appearances mm-hmm. with all the records over three decades with the community. Yeah, that's, right? Like, he, that's, that, that's a different conversation. Like, I would still take Mike. I don't want to get too into it. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, but you know, now those two, you look at them now and, and it's all love, it's all respect. Right. They appreciate well, the irony it. is, Steph was, Steph put LeBron in a place where he can't even say he's the best person born in his city. <laughs> So I can just imagine a certain point, right? Like how weird and ironic and almost comic book it was like for LeBron in LeBron's world. Like, are you fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> but like, I, you I know, mean, that, the, the way that whole thing played out too, right? Because in, in uh, college when um, Steph was killing it, right? LeBron was one of his big supporters, right? You go watch his games, tell everybody how good he was. Like, hey, you should go out and draft this kid. He's so good. Mm-hmm. And then for Steph to to surpass him like that right right it's just just be killing him i'm the great winner of the generation you know but uh yeah no it's 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 uh it's an interesting one um 
I I can say and this is a little little vulnerable, but I throw out like in the business that I've done, I've I've had an experience where I feel like I've almost gotten into a situation like that with somebody. Like where they for reasons that didn't make sense and their own demented reasons, you know, targeted me and us as like you know the the object of their you know obsession and their anger you know and you have to look at like you know this it's a blood feud like my you know the very existence you know is potentially challenges mine and vice versa you know what i mean like you know it's there's a there's a feeling that comes with it there's a thing that you know um it's it's something you you can't not take seriously if you do you you know what i mean like it's a very active choice but you don't you know one of those things you don't it doesn't slip to the back of your mind you don't just forget about it you know um but yeah 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 the, uh, so, so let, let me ask you something real quick so i wasn't going to include these two in the blood feud list because mm-hmm. i didn't originally think that they counted but now that you've you've kind of talked about it a little bit more and i've had a chance to think about it mm-hmm. listening to you habib and connor they only have Ooh. one fight. They only had one fight. And that one fight was fairly dominant for Habib. It, it, well, the, the blood feud, the feud, the blood feud part exists between the two souls, two individuals. It's deeper than the fight. It's deeper than the fight. It's deeper than the fight. So th- those two, for sure, for sure is a blood feud. Um, and that's a real one. Like, like Habib made sure he to impact Connor's career as much as possible to try to um, express, you know what I mean? The level of, you know, re- reciprocation he wanted to return for the way he, the level of disrespect he felt. You know what I mean? Um, he could have angered Mayweather to that level. <laughs> you know what I mean? If Mayweather was different, you know what I mean? Like, um, if Mayweather yeah. cared. <laughs> like, that, that, that was a cash grab um, right that's what I'm saying right it's right but he's in it for different reasons and I get it I get it, it you know he's not in the UFC he's not it, you know he's the only reason he's in the discussion is to make the biggest boxing event ever so he may be slightly annoyed but he knows he signed up for this you, you know what I mean uh, you know uh, uh, but yeah yeah Habib and Connor is probably is that is that the number one blood feud in modern times in the UFC? In modern times? Modern times. Last 10 years? Pro- pro- probably um, DC and John Jones. I was going to say, yeah, that's, was, that was pretty was close pretty, less to me. Less. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I feel like it was such a different... It was just a different level, right? Like, DC and John hated each other because they were competitors. And because you know our original definition of modern day blood feud is one can't exist without the other right, right i right. think that's what theirs was i think connor and habib was more of that traditional blood feud like right. like they can both exist right they both exist in, right. in the same world but it's also kind of different right like habib's exists in the hardcore like championship winning world connor's more of the prize fighting fight selling world but because of just their personalities and their beliefs and their their attitudes 
they cannot coexist together. Right. The egos and the stakes. Once people started saying word, kind of started saying things like, Habib's like, you cannot exist and say those things at the same time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then Connor's like the same thing too. And then it's like, you know, yeah, there's just the space for them to occupy is this big and they're both this big. And like, you know, Dana's like, squeeze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like the one fight that nobody was able to possibly contain. Right, right. Right, like you look at some of the crazy shit that happened, like the build up to that fight. You know, you got Connor flying all the way over from Ireland to throw a throw a fucking hand truck through a window to try to get Habib's attention. What the fuck, Neil? How the fuck does that happen? So, right? like how, how does that happen, right? And then you keep building up from there, you know, like two years later, they finally right. fight. Then Habib jumps over the cage. Right. And then Habib's guys jump in the cage and start jumping Connor. Right. They, they cannot control... They cannot control those two at all. And their guys are still fighting years later off of just from back there. They still fall out from there. So out of these top three, what do you rank them? Um, Connor Aviv, Colby Jorge, DC Jones. I would go Connor Habib, DC Jones, and then Colby Jorge. I would put Colby and Jorge probably at two. It would be one, but no, fuck it. Let's just keep it real. I just don't think Kobe has the heart for that to be to be the other part of that bug view. Like, he doesn't have it in him to be mad enough. Like, he'll just submit and then the feud be over. Like, if it, you know, if it came down to it deep at a deep enough level, I feel like. And that's a deeper level than fighting, which is it's fucked up to say, because he'll fight Jorge all day. He'll beat him in a fight. You know what I mean? But like, if it got ugly, if weapons were involved, if it had to do with things that nobody, there was no media or anything exposed to and this, that, and the other, like how much would Kobe stand behind his words? I don't think nearly, I don't think it would be a blood feud at that point. Like, I think it still would be for Jorge. Exactly, and that's exactly what happened, right? Jorge saw him outside a club, punched him in his face, right? And like Kobe called the cops. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it feels, it feels real, but also fake, somewhat yeah. fake on the Kobe side. Right. Where like DC and Jones, they legit hated each other. Right. And, and you know, we were talking about how like at the end of a blood feud, after everything decompressed stuff, you have a lot of respect for the other person. That's exactly where those two are at now. Right. And a lot of it was Jones though. A lot of it was Jones kind of projecting at the time. You know what I mean? Trying to like, I won't say he, he had been a champ for a long time, hadn't, you know, wanted to like create attention so that he could get more stuff on his fight. DC is like the consummate, like, he's a great pro. He's been an amazing ambassador and face of the sport. And he's also not somebody you want to treat like a company man either to me, right? Like he's not the guy you want to come off the run. Like a lot of people, the right people love DC. You know, he's probably a real one, right? So like the way he's coming to DC, I get how DC is like, what? And in a way, you you know what I mean? Like, okay, fuck you. And DC gets through everybody but him. So he's DC's boogeyman. So it just makes him look like the bad guy, the asshole. It was, it, it was almost like Jones forced it to be that way. It was like this bully. And I don't want to say bully because these are professional fighters, but you know what I mean? It just felt like personality-wise, it was kind of that. And then like Cormier holding up his place. And you just kind of felt like, like I earned respect for Cormier because yeah, skill-wise he can't top Jones. Or be, you know what I mean? But 
he stood on his own for where he was. And like, you know, Jones, even though he won, just like, you know, it just reminds you of like, you know what I mean? Like it's more to being a champion than winning. You know what I mean? And like, so there is a, a deeper feud part of it. And like you said, Jones had matured and he's in, he's acknowledged that he probably could and would do differently, things differently, you know, going back. It's, Cormier is, is an amazing ambassador, like I said, continues to be more so, you know what I mean? And like, it, there was at their peak, it did feel, I think there's elements of that blood feud piece that was, especially at a point where DC was probably in contention to be, when you look at his resume, other than Jones, I mean, he probably, you know, he talking top goat, you know, like heavyweight goat. Like, uh, so, you know, in, in the moment, in the moment I see it, looking back, you know, like, you know, with the future blood feuds to come and the ones we haven't thought of, like, I don't know where it'll shake out, but like the way that Connor and Kobe's things got real in real life, it's just like, it's a reminder of like, you know, like we're still dealing with fighters and most of them, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you could tell it's a real blood feud when, I remember when Jones got popped with the steroids and they're gonna have to pull him off the card. Mm -hmm. Like Dana White told DC and DC's crying backstage. This this wasn't about fighting for the belt, right? Like he still got he still got a chance to fight. Right. It was about Jones. Right. Jones personally, he wanted to fight Jones. He was so and mad he was about so, that. I remember so he went off yeah. cheap ass motherfucker. Yeah. He went in. Yeah, and I think what makes that so such a deep feud as well is that Jones is always like the top guy in that division. But because he has so many issues, he was constantly out. So DC was basically like the face. It was like the face holding up that division. Yes, he was actually. You're right. You're right. And he then, really was. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Jones would come in, and then he would lose. So then he always, it always just looked like he was the paper champion. Right, right. It was like right, like Jones is in Cormier's doing all the work, fighting and beating everybody, doing the shit, going right. Jones comes in, Cormier does all this shit. Jones comes in, swipes him, and then comes back and fights a year and a half later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steve Hay comes that, in and does his whole thing in between. Right, though. No, he does it a heavyweight, but still, like. But yeah, but that's that's why DC was so excited when he actually beat Stipe. You know, that was like his moment where he was the undisputed champion. Right. For right. the first time in his career. Because, yep. yeah, because yeah, I, I remember the buildup to that fight, right? Like, I remember DC was talking about came up short in the Olympics, come up short against Jones. And like this was his chance to finally not come up short against the top guy and he did it but still like jones was a big part of that even his heavyweight fights right jones was a big part of that he was still like the shadow to cormier yeah 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 true that's true you know one one guy who is interestingly enough not a part of the discussion but you feel like should be is nate diaz Probably because like nobody wants a blood feud with Nate Diaz. <laughs> That's the real reason. <laughs> you know? I feel I feel like Nate Diaz never will ever have anybody that occupies that space of we both can't exist here simultaneously. Right. Because Nate right. Diaz can exist anywhere, wherever he wants, because he's Nate fucking Diaz, right? Like it just doesn't matter. He's not tied to the belt. He's not tied to being the champion. Right. He's tied to his name. Right. And like you can't take that away from him. Like right. you can feud with them and you can fight him, but he's always going to be Nate Diaz, win or lose. Right, right. Yeah, no, good point. 
Very good point. Until he hates somebody enough to to, to have a blood feud with, like Jorge. Because you can say the same thing about Jorge, but like, yeah, right. Then Nate Diaz probably doesn't have a Kobe in his life. Exactly. exactly. And Nate Diaz doesn't have the same like level of pride that Jorge has. Mm-hmm. Nate Diaz is always been political burst at the end of his retirement. So I'm not going to mention anything. Like, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Su- I'm not surprised, right? Because he's this. This is a new form. I also don't want to get either. into it, really, right? But, but yeah, yeah. The, the whole thing. The whole thing was weird. The whole politics of that event last night was weird. It's great, though. Right. Yeah, and we're not going to spend much time on that at all. Uh, but like, it was. It was. It was obvious, right? It, UFC Florida. You know. Um, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> not <laughs> so, right. If you if you know, then you know. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate everybody. Uh, let us know your thoughts on everything that we discussed today. Tell us tell us what you thought of the fights. What you think of Izzy and Perea? And don't forget to get your ass beat this week. <laughs> don't forget to get your ass kicked.